0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: As most theater artists have been away from the stage for almost a year and a half, there has been a lot of soul searching, a lot of reckoning, not only with ourselves, but also with the industry. In part two of my conversation with Broadway actor Will Swenson, we talk about the joys we feel as theater begins to open up again, but also talk about the changes we want to see and the hope of a better path forward.
1: we got to put new, young, colorful, diverse people on the boards of all of these theater companies that can be imaginative and insistent that we make it different. We make it accessible and (laughs) make it affordable.
0: Hello and welcome to part two here on Why I'll Never Make It, one of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and each week I explore the realities of what it really means to make it in the performing arts. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com, where you can show your support and help me further the mission and reach of this podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you'll get special bonus episodes available only to podcast supporters. Learn about all that and more at whyillnevermakeit.com or click on the link in the show notes. As Will and I came to the end of part one of our conversation, we were talking about the deeper questions of who we are as artists and as individuals, and the absolute importance of bringing ourselves, our full selves, to the stage. Now, this is certainly one of the biggest lessons that we have to learn as actors and performers. Now, at the end of this episode, you'll get to hear the final five, but before that, I throw in a couple of extra questions— about lessons both Will and his wife, Alder MacDonald, have learned. But first, we talk about Will's performance in the Broadway revival of Hair back in 2009. It was certainly a vast departure from the Will I had known, both on stage and off, and it seemed as though that show, and the character of Berger in particular, allowed him a freedom and an energy that he had never gotten to express on stage before.
1: For sure. hundred percent. I mean, that, that show in particular is like, if you're not going to buy into the uh, idea behind it, then you might as well not be in the show, but it was all about freedom and and authenticity and, and being true to the moment. Like, like, the goal was every night to go out. And that first time when I would walk out on stage after the opening number and just my, my first line was hello. And I would just say, and like, If I could say hello genuinely to the audience every night, like really look at them and actually say hello, not like this is my line, but like I'm I'm tearing up talking about this. That's funny. (laughs) But I knew I knew that the show would be in the right pocket because it was going to be real. It was going to actually I was actually greeting that audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's such a connection that we can have with an audience that. Yeah, it's it's more than performative. It's it, it's a, a, an emotional, sometimes spiritual, but there's a connection there that is so it's it's so visible. It's it's tangible in this abstract kind of way. It's magic. It's magic.
1: I miss it so much. I'm going to cry talking about this too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just I miss it so much. Having worked in TV for the last couple of years like it's a great art form and, it, and i've learned a ton and it sure pays a lot more than theater in general but <laughs> but there's no replacing that magic in the room like
0: oh, I, oh I, the first day that i walk in to an in-person audition for a theater show i i may break down i, I it, it's going to be an emotional time just to right. see people on the other side of a table connecting right. singing it's yeah i can only imagine what that's going to feel like
1: yeah, I'm like mentally preparing myself for the first night back because I think the show is going to stop because the actor on stage, Will Swenson, is going to just be <laughs> sobbing, and it's kind of time to move on. We have to perform a show, but but uh, gosh, what a what a vacancy it's been.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I am working with the Tonight Show, and recently they did a, a Broadway's Back kind of episode, and you know mm-hmm. had had many. Familiar faces, Broadway faces there and and I was talking with with Jimmy afterwards, and he said that the the audience was crying. The actors themselves were like hugging and crying because it's like, we haven't done this in over a year we're, yeah. we're like doing it and it, yeah. and, it, and there was that again, there was a live audience there in the studio with these actual Broadway performers, and that connection is something that you can't find. Just in-
1: there's no replacement for it it's it's just the, that magic in the room that exchange that 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 you can never replace it and the fact that it just like mm-hmm. vanishes into thin air afterwards and it's like you've got the memory the tingles you hold it yeah it's, <laughs> i love it i love the non-permanence of it i love the the variable i love telling the whole story at once it's 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 delicious
0: yeah well Theater is, you know, they're saying it's coming back in the fall. All these shows are starting to announce, you know, they're coming back. The Tony Awards after a year and a half are, are going to be happening. You know, your favorite. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious, how do you see theater changing? Do, do you see more appreciation? Do you see the theater art form itself, audiences? What, what do you think is going to come when it all comes back?
1: Well... It, it has to be different um, on, on a couple of levels. You know, one is obviously because of the pandemic, we're going to have to figure out how to do it safely and get everybody in the same room without getting sick. So I think there will be a different way of entering a theater. I think there will be a different way of like qualifying to go into the theater for a while and, and you know, ventilating some of those old crazy, you know, theaters that well, have been like around for hundreds of years, hundreds of years literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then because of the, the social upheaval that we've had during the pandemic, um, you know, the, the theater culture has to, to change as well. And we need to be um, far more inclusive on, on every level, just not just on stage, but but, um, but give everybody um, a, a shot to be a part of the, the show, the process, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been just for, for far too long, uh, really white, white, whitey, white uh, art form and, and there's so much to, to gain from, from opening our doors and, and letting everybody play. And, and also, you know, not just have it be this, this, uh, rich person's playground. Um, exactly. Yeah. We need, we need to, to make it more accessible for everybody. You know, I think I, if I've been successful, a massive, massive chunk of that is because I I grew up, privileged and and doors were just open for me that were closed for for everybody else you know i could afford to fly to college campuses to audition for scholarships and and think of the massive talent that are all over the world who who just you know, have have that talent, but they couldn't afford to fly to to audition for a school, so they don't get that's, that. That's at least
0: one silver lining of the pandemic. A lot, lot more self tapes and schools and auditions are more open to seeing people that they wouldn't normally see in person. Hopefully, that's
1: that's something yeah. that will just like be a new part of our culture. Yep. Is like is like you know, just finding ways to to get those doors open so that so that everybody can can have their fair shot.
0: It's interesting looking back. In thinking about it, did you ever feel like theater itself was, was closed in some way or wasn't as, as robust or open as, as you thought it could be even before last year?
1: Yeah, I'll say this. I'll, um, my, my eyes were opened largely just because I found myself in, in a relationship with a person of color. Um, I think I absolutely grew up in a bubble of, of white male privilege. Um, and so, uh, as, as is the case, <laughs> I feel like with our country, if, if it doesn't touch you in your, in your life, if it doesn't affect you, you don't question it because it just doesn't present itself to you. So I was just kind of going along this golden path, just going, oh, I'm so talented. I, I just keep getting parts. I just keep working. I'm talented. I'm great. And, and never, never stop to think that, that a big chunk of why I was finding success was because doors were closed to other people who didn't look like me. So, so I didn't see it until I I learned to see it um, from having to, you know, finally go, Hey, Will, your empathy is, is for shit. You need to, to start looking at other people's experiences and and seeing what you can do to, to be a, a part of the, the, solution and not not a part of the problem and and you know i think we think as as white folks we're, we're fine to just keep going along and and i love people i'm nice to people i'm not part of the problem but um but complacency is part of the problem and the only way to fix something is to to be active about it you know we need to we need to be anti-racist and and uh and not just, just, uh, um, yeah. I
0: mean, it's definitely a, a two way street. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what, what your race, color, background, that it, it's, it's going to be a joint effort of all of us to really make theater and then the world around us, the community around us, uh, better and just more representative of the people who not only come to see the show, but are taking part in these shows. So sure. it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a collaborative effort, as as theater always is, to make right. it a, a better art form. And For I sure. think one of the biggest things is going to be money. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that I'm hoping will change as you alluded to it before that with the pandemic uh, hopefully it's going to open up different ways that we can try things that are new try things that may succeed may not succeed but have this openness to new writers to new actors to new ways of presenting stories that may not have been done before it's going to be risky and Mm -hmm. broadway is averse to risk by the sheer nature that shows cost 15 million to make, and they don't want to lose a dime of that. So it's, I think it's going to be a struggle to find ways to make Broadway accessible and affordable on both ends.
1: I know it. I know it. Like we've got all this hope for it being changed. And then somebody sent me a screenshot of, of trying to buy tickets to, to music man the other day. And I think that, you know, it was like $1,200 for an orchestra seat. And I was just like, Oh yeah, we've, we've learned so much. Mm. um i mean i i i, I don't know our, our job is to like figure out how and we just you know we got to put new new young colorful diverse people on the boards of all of these theater companies that can be imaginative and and insistent that that we make it different we make it accessible and 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 <laughs> make it affordable yeah. you know even for you know so that so that Kids who don't have $1,200 can go see the Music Man and, and, you know, experience this incredible art form, but that it's just not this rich person's, you know, privilege.
0: Yeah, because the more people that see it, the more people that want to be a part of it, the more people that will grow up and be the new voices, will be the new artists. And it's it, it's all about seeing the long game and not just how is this show going to make money for me next month? It's here, here. how is this art form going to survive in the next year, five years and on down the road? Yeah, yeah. And
1: the trick will be to, you know, for the producers to make money because obviously they have to or we don't have right? shows. Right. But at the same time, you know, have a program in in the same uh world that that facilitates access and and diversity
0: yeah for you in looking at that that future down the road what do you see for yourself how do you want your career to either stay on the same path are you seeing a different part for yourself what are you seeing coming up
1: i just i'd love to keep working um (laughs) right i i I've loved the last couple of years working more in front of the camera because I'm learning a ton. It's something that always intimidated me. And um, and every time, you know, I'd get a commercial or just, you know, a, a little one-liner on Law & Order, I'd pop in and just be so nervous. And those roles are like the hardest things to do something
0: with. No, like, I know. They're the it's, worst. Because, because so happy- everything's happening. Everything's happening. It's go, go, go. And then my line. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And it's so hard not to be dear in the
1: headlights. And you know, those shows in particular have been going for literally 20 plus years and there it's such a well-oiled machine and you're just like this little blip that pops in and does your two lines and then and then pops out. So it's so, and it's so hard to create a full breathing character with that little, you know, bit of material to do. So I've always felt so untalented and just like this this terrible Actor, popping in on those. So it's been so nice to to get a couple of parts that have a whole through line, and you get to do something with, and then learning the the technical aspect of it on top. So all that to say, I've loved learning. Um, so I just, as far as my future, I'd love to do things that just just challenge me. Um, I, I've you know I've always been scared of of certain aspects of the musical theater. Like I, I always imagined myself not not a real singer <laughs> which just hilarious i've done like exclusively <laughs> musicals basically but because i just grew up acting i was like oh no i'm an actor that sort of learned how to sing and um and i was like oh but i'm not a, i'm not a real baritone i'm you know i can i can sing pop stuff you know but but you know and, and
0: so it, it's so you know, interesting how we see ourselves i mean you know, did, uh, whenever people compliment you is it hard for you to take it or do you see what they see yeah, no, I'm terrible. I have
1: the worst case of imposter syndrome ever, Patrick. I'm just like they're all going to find out that I'm not talented. They're going to find out, and I keep fooling them somehow. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll I'll break down and go. You know what? Well, you you did a good job, but I'm not very good at that. I need to be better at it. But at least I enjoy the challenge of trying to get better. And I, you know, I figure I'm probably better at this acting thing than I was a while ago. So, and I'm not very good at anything else, so <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully, I can keep stringing these jobs together until I can retire.
0: <laughs> well, this question just kind of popped in my, my brain, and it's a two-parter. So what is one thing you would say that you've learned from Audra as when it comes to this career? Uh, if there's one thing I've
1: learned from her, it's that I am enough. I I think... Mm-hmm because I have this bad case of imposter syndrome, I think I've always felt like I need to put extra zazz on my performances and extra, you know, kooky choices on into my, my, you know, shows and whatnot. And if I've learned anything from her, it's that, that like our greatest commodity is just our uniqueness of, of being who we are. There's not another Will Swenson and there's not another Patrick Jones. And, and the second that we acknowledge that we are, so unique just in that we are ourselves. And instead of me doing a, uh, you know, a, a Kevin Klein impression to try to be as cool as Kevin Klein or, or Mark Kudish or somebody, uh, you know, the second that I go, you know what, I'm, I'm Will Swanson and that's awesome. It's totally enough. And the second that I hold that uniqueness as a, as a commodity and not, and not a shortcoming it, it is gold. And I think that's probably the main thing that I've learned from Audra.
0: And so the second part is what do you hope or do you think she has learned from you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I have so little to <laughs> offer
1: her. She's so infuriating. She's one of those people that's like an A at everything.
0: You know? <laughs> Gotta love those people.
1: Oh man. I've I've I mean I'm like a solid B plus at a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's just good at everything. I'm a better snow skier than her. So I hold that over her and I just remind her. It's like, you know what? You got that I'm, a one better, thing. I'm a better skier than you, babe. Just sorry, but I gotta just remember that. Remember that. I am a great snow skier <laughs> and I'm better than you. And I probably always will be. So <laughs> So she's, you know, maybe she's learned how to ski a little better, but that's about all I have to offer her.
0: (laughs) You know what? It's sometimes those small life skills that we can impart to the people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wish that, that our relationship was more of a two way street. And I'm sure she probably would have some answer that would make me feel really good about myself. But uh, I, I, she's just been an angel that has dropped into my life that, that has, has been an incredible gift for me.
0: So now we have these five final questions. So number one, if you could have any other job outside of the arts, what would you do?
1: Oh my gosh. I'm not very good at other stuff, Patrick. Um, Well, skiing, you you got skiing. I'd be a ski bum. I could totally be a ski bum. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to be a ski instructor because then I'd be like just upset that I had to teach these people because I would just want to be on the well, ski. So maybe, oh, ski racer. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be like on the ski, on the U S ski team. That's oh that's, Right. <laughs> or a potter. I recently am, I'm in the process of learning how to, to make pottery, like on a wheel. I
0: love oh, it. I'm wow. obsessed with it. Maybe so, I could so like be a the potter. clay pottery that you yeah. form. Yeah. I got to do that in Jamaica and it was, it was really fun. So and, cool. and I mean, the slightest movement and then it's off and then you kind oh, of it's fix so it and,
1: It's so hard, yeah. but I love it. I love it. I want to get so good at it, but early stages, but I could do that. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. There you go. All right. I like pottery. All right. Number two, what is a bucket list role or show that you still hope to do?
1: I mean, something new. I'd love the new stuff. My favorite thing is creating something from scratch. I I always kind of cringe a little bit at the preconceived ideas of what a a role should be because of the previous incarnations of it. Every time I do a revival, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the way it was done. But couldn't we rethink it like this? So (laughs) I'm just that guy that's like, I don't want to copy that. That's yeah. Anyway, um, so something new. But that didn't answer your question. Uh, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd.
0: And would you bring something new to it? Like, do you have an idea for? uh, I hope so. it.
1: I mean, not not a directorial concept, but um but but hell, yeah, I mean that that musical is insane, and that role is so fantastic that that if I had to pick one to to dive into, that's just a juicy pool to dive into.
0: Yeah, I'd never seen the show live except for that recent revival that the the off-Broadway revival, where they did it inside of a, they constructed a pie shop. Uh-huh. and so it's all these people at tables being, oh yeah so yeah, yeah. i i thought that 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 in and of itself just the setting gave it a whole different vibe yeah. to it because they're roaming in and out of the tables yeah. and the audiences yeah. and they're singing and they're touching the audience you know maybe a hand on the shoulder or singing yeah. to them sitting on their lap so it gave it a very different kind of vibe than what yeah. you assume that show would be right right yeah i loved yeah. it all right. So number three, who is it that you look up to as a mentor or someone that inspires you?
1: I mean, <laughs> it's my wife. It is. Um, she, I've, I've learned. Can I tell I've you
0: learned, how many times Audra has been the answer to this question? So I'm many sure, people say it. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. And as cheesy as it is, uh, you know, as a person and as, and as a performer, I, I've learned endless amounts from her she, as a person and, and as a performer, she's, she's amazing. Um, even though she's not the template for, for, you know, what, uh, you know, my, my role. For your career. Things. Yeah. Right. Right. I what mean, was the first kid, time
0: you saw her perform?
1: um, Ragtime. And I just thought, well, that's, I, I mean, I saw her in Carousel on the Tony Awards, but in person it was ragtime. And I just, I remember leaving the theater saying, I'll never see a better performance than, than her and Stokes together. I was like, those were perfect and could never be better and i think i was right
0: (laughs) well yeah because the the ragtime revival i mean the show is so great itself you would think that a revival just done well should take off but yeah they they couldn't find that chemistry again uh in the revival man yeah all right number four name a personal lesson that took you a while to learn or one that you're still working on to this day
1: Well, we touched on this in our earlier conversation, but I would say that it's uh, the the biggest thing that I have learned and I'm trying to continue to learn is that if I trust my uniqueness is interesting. Then it'll be interesting to, to everybody, and to not try to, you know, cover myself up, slather myself in ideas of what something should be, or try to be another version of Tom Hanks or somebody. That's the lesson that that I'm still trying to learn. But
0: uh, was there a moment in either in your life or maybe on stage where that happened? It, it was it was like a, a spark. It was a moment, a light bulb moment, so to speak, where that really drove home to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was hair uh, that that show. In and of itself was so transformative um, as a performer. Um, but the essence of that show w- was just about authenticity. Um, and even though that character was so kind of over the top, um, as far as energy and and you know material, um
0: if, and was if it that wasn't exhausting every night to, exhausting. to bring that meme yeah
1: oh my imagine. gosh oh my gosh i have never you climbing through the it.
0: chairs and over people. And- oh and just
1: jumping 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 the whole time like my knees yeah. were busted for years after that show um but all if that if all of that wasn't rooted in in a real authenticity it would have just seemed like obnoxious i think and maybe maybe some people did think it was obnoxious but but
0: but that that's also burger's character a little bit
1: yeah for sure for sure but i'd say yeah hair was was the time where i I recognized that the commodity was authenticity it it wasn't just energy it was it was it was honesty at its core and then and then you put you put the crazy on top of the honesty
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i imagine priscilla was much the same way because there's that balance of this over-the-top drag queen wonderfulness with these real honest characters who are struggling
1: yeah, hopefully a bit. Um, some more than others, right? Seems mm-hmm. like. If the, well, if the well character's yeah, because a it's a matter
0: kitchen. of, if, if you bring enough of yourself, then it's something you can latch on to and create consistently night after night. But yeah. if it's too far removed, then yeah, you're having to kind of find it every night. So there's right, yeah, right. It's that balance.
1: Yeah, I don't want it to be floating over here the whole time. Otherwise, it's like less accessible
0: yeah this leads us to number five, which is what is the most useful advice you have received?
1: You know, sometimes we get asked to teach these master classes or or you know uh, audition workshops or that sort of thing. And um I got asked to do one a while ago, and all the kids were supposed to do a monologue, and this girl was like, well, i'm I'm deciding whether I want to do this one, which I probably should do, or I, I wrote this other thing. And I was like, oh, well, what did you write? And she was like, well, it's just that I don't I'm really, really connected to to any of the suggestions that my teacher gave me. So she's she like, I, I wrote this one. And it was, and I was like, oh, we'll do that one. That sounds so interesting. And it was, it was kind of just like her story about coming to terms with her sexuality. And it was so great. It was so great because it was so connected to who she was. And I was like, why did you feel so much pressure to do the other one? And she was like, well, you know, because I'm not going to get cast for, for being, you know, me and, you know, and I, and I was just like, Oh no, it's the exact opposite. You're absolutely going to get cast for being you. It was like this other monologue, you know, everybody else is, is doing, and, you know, maybe you could do an awesome take on it, but, but the, the honesty of the other version is so interesting and thrilling. Just like, hang on to that, you know, seek out and search for, for truth at all costs. I feel like when I watch Audra work, I feel like she's like an excavator, like an archaeologist that's just like getting the dirt out of the way so that she can find that nugget of truth. And so that's, that's the main thing is like be relentless in, in the pursuit of truth and, and authenticity
0: well you have been our little angel today so thank you for dropping in on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) well thanks
1: patrick it's been nice uh you know catching up i'm sorry it was all about me i I want now now let's stop and we'll we'll do the you version i'll flip it and then we'll we'll talk (laughs)
0: love it love it all
1: right well thank you so much well for sure man it's been it's been a pleasure
0: Thank you so much for joining me and Will in our two-part discussion. To learn more about this podcast as well as upcoming guests, get the monthly Win Me newsletter. Go to com or click on the link in the show notes. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. Publicity provided by Imagine PR Group. The outro music you're hearing is by John Bartman. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Next up is Broadway actor Rodney Hicks from the musical Come From Away. Join he and I next time as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It. Now, as a little treat for sticking around to the very, very end of this episode, I wanted to share with you a little blooper that happened during our interview. At one point, while Will was answering a question, a certain VIP happened to send him a message.
1: Yeah, there's always that question of like, how much of yourself, your, your actual self, how much of Will Swenson do I bring to each role? you want it to be based in reality but then of course you know i'm not burger and i am not tick and i'm am, i'm am not javert but you want you want that sort of anchor reaching down from the role to so that so that you know it comes from an organic place i guess sorry about that oh, just got angry. a text from audra mcdonald
0: oh my gosh wait you know her i've oh i've worked with her before that's amazing you know what i mean <laughs> hey uh, <sighs>